Um, so uh, you will have heard my strange English accent this morning. Uh, but if you're new this evening, uh, my name is Richard Fothergill. I'm from Britain, as you can tell. And um, we're just going to, this weekend, we're doing really a kind of a renewal weekend here in the church. And tonight we're going to be looking at uh, some aspects of uh, how God heals. We can look at healing. Um, when I was in Africa, I'm actually ordained in the Church of England, so I wear a dog collar sometimes and do uh, communions and things. When I was in Africa uh, leading a church down there, the South Africans, they just couldn't get their tongue around my surname, which is Fothergill. It's an unusual one, Fothergill. And so they knew I was a reverend, so they decided I must be the Reverend Father Gill. So, and I got letters from the bishop's office saying, Dear Reverend Father Gill. So they thought my name was just Gill, but there we are. Just one of those things. <laughs> At any rate, so what we're going to look at tonight, as I say, is a little bit on healing. And, um, and then we're going to have a chance to do some and actually pray for each other, particularly if any of us this evening are sick and poorly and ill in any way. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity to take each other to the cross and uh, release, basically ask the Lord to heal, and, and he will come and bring some healing. But first of all, let me just, um, if you get some slides up for me, that's great. If you can stick the first one as a scripture from Luke, I think it's there. Let's see, nothing yet. Okay, no, that's not the one, I don't think. Oh, sorry, it's healing. The title is called Healing Practice and Opportunities, I think it's called. But let me read this to you. This is from Luke chapter 5. Just a few verses. Luke 5, 17 to 26. You've got a Bible handy. That's how I'll read it anyhow. 5, verse 17, starting there. One, this is about Jesus. One day he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Um, some men came to him, carrying a paralytic on a mat, and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. But when they could not find a way to do this, they became, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friends, your sins, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God himself? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has authority to, on earth to, to, to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I bet they did. The reason I want to use this story is that it's for, for us, it's a very helpful guide about some key aspects of healing, modern healing. Now, firstly, we've got to always remember that as Christians... We believe in healing, both uh, in, in natural means, such as medicine and drugs and surgery. In fact, God has, I believe, God has given humanity over these last 
few hundred years, uh, immense insight into medical healing. And this is a good thing. This is from God. He wishes us to be whole. And it's very interesting that the book I've just read from is written by Dr. Luke. You may not know that he was actually a doctor in his day. In fact, one of the reasons why the Luke, Luke's gospel covers disproportionately more miraculous healings than Matthew or, or Mark is because he was a doctor. He was fascinated by this. Whenever Jesus did a healing, he wanted to know chapter and verse on that. He wanted to know how that happened, what happened, what was the detail, this sort of thing. Because he was a medical man himself. But we believe in normal medicine. Okay, God works through that. But we also believe in supernatural, Holy Spirit-inspired intervention like this story. That the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, he did healing through Jesus. And he does healing through us, his disciples, 2,000 years later. So can I draw your attention to the first key verse in here? Where it says, uh, uh, quite early on, uh, verse uh, 17, 8, 17, it just says, almost in passing, Luke chucks this in. He says, the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Now, what do you think that looks like? Have you noticed that ever? The power of the Lord was present in this room where this paralytic was left, uh, came, came through the roof. The power of the Spirit of God, the power of God was there to heal. Now, Jesus picked up on that. You remember Jesus, obviously Jesus is divine, but he's limited himself to be also 100% human. Jesus is 100% God, 100% human. But his, some of his divine attributes, such as doing uh, supernatural works and the like, we see in his character, the way he behaves, that actually he's rest he is restraining himself. He's humbling himself. And so actually, he is led by the Spirit just as much as the disciples were. And so when we see this in the text, that in this meeting, there was obviously uh, the Holy Spirit was at work. People had faith. There's faith around. And people were looking to God for something to happen. And Jesus picked up on that. He thought, you can see that. He sensed that. And so that's why when Jesus starts to have a discussion actually about theology and sins and repentance and so on, there's also the Spirit of God highlights to him that he could do healing. Now, we as Christians believe, obviously, that when we became to Christ, we repented of our sins, we gave those to him, put them at the cross, and he, in exchange, gave us his Holy Spirit. He gave us forgiveness for all our past sins all our present sins, all our future sins, all gone, all washed away. This is what the blood of Christ Jesus does. But part of this kind of legal contract that took place when we repented was that we received his Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus tells us in John. Look at all those chapters in the end of John. And look what happens at the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and touches us, empowers the believers. That we as believers have his Holy Spirit with us. And that Holy Spirit, he is the one that does the healing. And it's taken me quite a few years to, to finally understand this theologically, that actually when it comes to he physical healing and emotional healing and inner healing and all sorts of healing, it's his spirit that does it. It's not the preacher. It's not Richard Fothergill. It's not because I'm clever in any way. It's not because you're clever or more godly than somebody else, you know. It's actually the Spirit of God that does all the healing. And in the same way that actually if Jesus 
was hum humbled himself like that, and the Spirit of God worked through him to do these fine signs and wonders. And remember, Jesus says that you and I will do even greater works than that, which is what's been happening over the last 2,000 years of church history, is people have been healed, raised from the dead, like Lazarus was, you know, even greater works by the same Holy Spirit. We should be excited by that, and also we should be relieved that it's not up to you. You and I can't heal anything. We really can't. I, I was quite, uh, quite slow on the uptake, as I said a moment ago, on this whole understanding. Uh, one of the things that really helped me along the way was that when I, part of my training in 1991 to 93, I went off to a theological college in the southwest of England, and I had two years being trained there to, into church leadership. And um, after, our, I think, our first term, we came back from the Christmas holidays, my wife and I, to our flat, and on the answer machine, we had an answer machine then. You may remember those. Older people will remember those answer machines. Um, you younger ones don't want, won't know what I'm talking about. But they had an answer machine, and on this answer machine was a whole bunch of messages, panicked messages from a friend of ours who had just, um, she was a friend from university, and she had uh, just had, uh, before Christmas, I think in about uh, early November, she'd had a first child, a little boy called James. And... We'd seen him, actually, just as he nearly arrived on the scene just before Christmas. But he came back, these messages from Sue, the mother, uh, in a real panic. And the three messages, and the first one said, Richard and Joe, if you're there, please come. James has been rushed to hospital. We don't know what's wrong with him. It's looking serious. Please come and help us. Please pray for him. The second one was even more urgent, saying uh, he's, he's fitting. He's having these fits. And they've got him in an incubator, and they really don't know what's happening to his body, and he's visibly declining before us. And the third message was along the lines of, Richard, it's really serious. Please come. Can you give him the last rites, which is a part of the liturgy in the Church of England, of which you pray over somebody who is literally about to die. And um, they were so desperate. And we got, we got there, and it was that day that all this had happened. So we, we rushed out to the hospital at 6 o'clock in the evening, and there's in the hospital, in the, in the child's area there, there was in this ward, there was this, there was this little incubator with this little baby in it. And it was a pitiful sight, this poor kid. I mean, he literally, he looked like he shriveled and he was sort of yellow skin and he had tubes out of his nose and, and you know, he was in a really bad way. And uh, our hearts just broke over this kid and we could see him. We get, and the, the nurses and the medical people will say, we don't know what's happening, but you can see on his brain scan, he's fitting. He's having his mental storm. This fitting is going on, and we can't stop it. And if he carries on like that, we'll kill him. And he'll certainly be brain damaged, is what they said, even if he kind of suddenly recovered now. So we just fell to our knees around this little cot and started praying. And we just, I remember weeping and calling out to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy on this little boy, have mercy on James. And it's interesting because the, the mother was a Christian, Sue was a Christian, but her husband Peter wasn't. And he fell down also with us around his son. And he, and he started praying and he started saying, I'm so sorry for everything I've done. And he started repenting of all his sin. And actually he became a Christian, he said, that day, that evening. But anyway, we all were praying for James. And, um, and we obviously we did that for quite a while. And then we we dusted ourselves down and we left. And then we went back again early next morning to pray some more. And we got back to the hospital the next morning and there was a lovely Christian nurse there. And the first thing she said to us is, it's amazing. 
those fits, they've stopped. And they stopped almost just about five minutes after you all left the building. Those fits stopped. We, so he's, if he's very, having said that, he's still not well, and we think it'll be severe brain damage. He won't be able, physical and mental brain damage, he thinks he has. Oh, sounds like the cops are after him. There we are. Anyway, they say he's going to be mentally and physically handicapped, and almost in a vegetative state, actually. That's what they said initially. So anyhow, we, we, didn't, we thought we've had some change here. We know our God is good, and he heals. We had a bit of healing. We're going to go for the whole thing. We're going to ask the Lord for full healing for this boy. So we prayed really earnestly, including the nurse. She joined in. It was great. So it's about five of us now praying for this little kid. And we did that, and then we went back and went home, and then we came back again that afternoon, about four o'clock, did some more. And each time we went back over the next five days, each time the diagnosis got better. And they say, well, you know, okay, yes, brain damage. He's, you know, he'll never be able to walk or run. He'll be in a wheelchair, and probably, you know, he'll be a very slow learner, you know. Uh, he's not going to die, but, you know, that was the first diagnosis. And then next day you come back after some more prayer, and they say, well... Yeah, he won't probably be in the wheelchair all the time. He'll be able to shuffle about a bit and walk. And, and you know, he'll be, you know, we think there's been some brain damage. We're not sure. Anyway, we kept praying. We kept praying. And uh, after about 10 days, he was, he was let off to go home. And, um, again, the medics were all being pretty gloomy. But we kept praying, and the parents kept praying. And they, we all just knew there was a real sense that God was totally on the case of this kid. We just knew that by the time he left hospital. And then, an amazing thing, a year later, um, they took their son to another hospital in Oxford for a second opinion. And they sent all the brain scans and all his data to the hospital first before they got there. And they, there's a specialist in men, uh, brain damage and uh, of this kind of ilk. And they, got, got, they went into the surgery with this doctor. And the doctor saw this little boy, James, in Sue's arms. He's now sort of a year old, several year old, and looks at the baby, looks at the notes, looks at the baby, looks at the notes, and said, I'm so sorry, there's been a mix-up. They've sent the wrong notes. This child is evidently not gone through that. This child is too healthy, is what they said. And they said, no, no, these are the real notes. This really did happen a year ago. This is James's details. But the doctor was completely flabbergasted because he said the way he's behaving, clearly mental activity going on, physically all these motor skills are there. This is not that. Isn't it wonderful? Praise God. And yeah, so through that whole experience, and I'm actually, he's now, um, he, how old is he? He's 31 years old, called James. I'm his godfather. Uh, he, he went to university in the end. He's actually very bright. <laughs> He went to university, and he, he's in a football team, so he's pretty good at kicking things, you know. So physically and mentally, the Lord has healed him. Praise God. Isn't that good? Yay! <laughs> anyway, so, but I learned several things through that whole encounter. One was persist in prayer. Persist. Don't give up. Jesus says that. Luke 18. Read that chapter. It's all about persisting in prayer. You know, we know our prayers are heard, but there's something dynamic that needs to be, need to be enacted. We need to keep going, keep going, ask again, ask again. Secondly, there was an element of um, when, as I say, we were impotent. We couldn't do anything. The medical profession couldn't do anything. We, uh, there's, there's concerned friends and the parents, they couldn't do anything. 
it had to be a divine work. It had to be the Holy Spirit to do the work of healing in him. And he's a baby, so he's, you know, he's totally vulnerable. So I learned that as well on this one. And um, so my encouragement to all of us, if we start to want to do healing and bless others in this way and exercise spiritual gifts of healing, because there is a gift of healing in Scripture, is persist and in the right way recognize he's doing it, not you. You and I are vessels where the hands and feet of Jesus on the ground at the moment to bring this to pass. And, that, uh, and take heart that he is the healer and it's not dependent on you. And I, and I want to turn to another scripture, which is I, in Matthew 28. Oh, she's up there already, it's fine. Matthew 28, very well-known scripture. And uh, just at the end of Matthew, it's known as the Great Commission in many places. And I'll just read these couple of verses to us. This is Jesus right at the end before he ascends to the Father and goes up through the clouds. Um, anyhow, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he's with us here. But the reason I highlight that is this key phrase. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. That's authority over death. It's authority over sickness. It's authority over fear. All the wicked stuff that the devil pushes, he's defeated him. He has been given all authority by God the Father in this realm. And he then chooses to delegate that authority to you and I. He's passed it on. Remember, Jesus, the man, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is in heaven. His spirit is with us. But he's delegated authority to us to go out and do the things that he did. He has all authority. And he's chosen to pass it on to you and I. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? What, what is authority that he's talking about here? Because there is a difference between, in Scripture, there's a difference between authority and power. There are different words in Greek. Authority and power are different. And I'll give you an example of this. I had an occasion many years ago where, where I saw, sort of saw authority in action. It was in this church, uh, this big church in London. I was uh, in the congregation at that stage. I wasn't in leadership or anything. And one evening service, this big church had two double doors at the back. Imagine one lot here and one lot over there. And I was standing at the back. It was a very full service, about 600 people in there. And the, the minister who I knew, a guy called Sandy, was here. And um, we were worshiping away and singing. And then from this door on my right, in came a lady with a very large dog on a leash. That's an Alsatian. And this dog was looking really fierce and was growling at everybody. And he really did look like he wanted to bite somebody, you know. And this lady came up and stood about here with this dog going, and so Sandy Miller, the, the minister, who's a very polite English chap, he went up to her and he said, it's lovely you've come to church tonight. I'm so pleased to see you. But we, we do have a, a bit of a rule here that we don't really want uh, dogs in the main service. But we've got a place outside here where you can 
put, put them on a leash, and they're quite safe, you know, they'll be happy. So could you take your dog out? To which this woman folded her arms and said, no. And just stood there. She's a big woman, too. And so, oh, I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then he did again, tried again, being polite. He tried again, well, thank, I really would love it if you put your dog outside, and this is really what we do in our church. And again, she wouldn't budge. So then I heard him say, much to my surprise, he said, well, if you won't take your dog out, I'm afraid I'm going to have to call the police. And uh, this is back in the day before cell phones, okay? So he, he did. He went off to call the police, but he had to go to the other end of the building, in a little office there, and get the landline and call the police and hope somebody was on duty, you know. And eventually, well, about 15 minutes later, sure enough, through the other door on this side, a policeman came. Now, this policeman, he looked like the youngest and shortest policeman in London, I have to say. You know, I'm not a big guy, but he was smaller than me, even with his hat on, you know. This little policeman came in, but he was in a uniform, okay. He came in with his uniform, and the woman just took one look at him, turned on her heels with her dog, and walked straight out. Didn't even have to have a conversation with her. Now, that was authority in action, because she knew, even if he looked like a bit of a wimp, that she knew he was a policeman. And behind him was a whole lot more probably big, burly policeman who probably could wrestle her to the ground and take the dog away, this sort of thing. So she respected authority. She didn't respect the vicar, obviously, but she respected authority. Now, in spiritual terms, when you and I go into a place to pray for healing and we have authority... We're exercising that authority, and we're saying, in Jesus' name, be healed. It's not you that's doing it. It's the authority he's given you, and you can pray that prayer, can't you? You can speak that out and say, be healed in Jesus' name by the blood of Christ Jesus. I proclaim healing to your back, I healing to your leg, whatever it is. And the authority which Jesus has won on the cross is being exercised. Now, the power is the thing that actually does the healing. It's the power of God, power of the Holy Spirit, that actually does the healing of fixing your leg. But you are there, and you and I'm here, to exercise authority. And I might say this authority is bigger than just this whole area of healing. You have spiritual authority in your household and things like that. You know, if you pray in your home and say, well, I dedicate my house to the Lord God, to Jesus Christ, and I pray for peace in my house. I want people to come here and be aware that uh, heaven is uh, like touching earth, that it's a, a peaceful, blessed place, then that will actually be enactioned somehow by the Holy Spirit. I, we, we've done that in our house, uh, just as an exa example. In, we live in the north of England in an old house there. Um, it was my father's house, and we moved in four years ago, and we prayed quite a lot in it, and we prayed for the boundaries of the house. And it was very interesting. I had um, uh, my wife's got a goddaughter who is very troubled, and actually been quite involved with the occult and uh, on the sort of the, the dark side of things. Um, and she, but she's nudging, she is edging her way towards the truth, which is great. But she, a couple of years ago, she came, her mother dropped her off, and she just wanted to come have a cup of tea with her godmother. And she, it's interesting, she came to the property, and she could not physically get across the threshold because the, the unclean spirits in her, or oppressing her, were sort of restraining her. She said, so we, we had this weird conversation on the doorstep, us here, 
her there, and just chatting, how are you doing, you all right, this kind of stuff. But she physically couldn't get in the building because there was too much of the sense of the Spirit of God around about. Now, mercifully, she, she, some while later, she rang up, and through a friend, she'd actually prayed a prayer of commitment to become a Christian. So as I say, she's been nudging her way towards the truth. I think she still needs a bit of help and deliverance and needs to go through some repentance in relation to this occult stuff. But the fact is that there was, this was a little power encounter because our house is a holy place. And we prayed that way. We prayed that we pray the opposite. We pray other people would come and walk into the house and go, oh, yes. Oh, so good. God is good. Or is there a God around? They start thinking about the Lord. You know, our non-Christian friends start thinking about, is it true? What's the stuff that Richard and Joe are into? You know, is Jesus around? This kind of thing. So you and I have more authority, is what I'm saying, than perhaps we realize. And it's not because you and I are the best Christians. We all fall short. That's not the criteria. The criteria is that we are sons and daughters of the Lord God because of what Jesus has done. It's positional. And he's delegated the authority to you to exercise. And as we exercise it and learn how to exercise it, the power of God will come and you'll see healing and you'll see change. And you'll see your friends become Christians and things like that. In Scripture, um, let's just trundle along a little bit more here. Uh, to you. Uh, that's clever. Okay. Except it's not working. I've told you, I've got, you've got to watch these things. I tend to break them. There we go. Healing. Medical science, we've done that. Okay, character of God. On healing, it's very important to remember that this is based in the, the absolute character of our God. He is, one of the, the first name that he describes himself as in the Old Testament is the God who heals. Jehovah Rophi, that's what it means. I am the God who healeth thee, is actually what he said. You know, when he was asked, well, who are you, God? Moses, he, he talked to Moses. He actually said, I am the God who heals you. And it's in the character of God. It's not as if it's something that God sort of arbitrarily does sometimes, doesn't do other times because he's busy, you know. Healing is in his nature. It's in his character. So when the Spirit of God is around and at work, you must be very happy and confident about the fact that he wants to heal. Unfortunately, I was brought up in as I said this morning, in uh, a more conservative theological stream of the church. And I remember being genuinely told from the front in church that uh, God doesn't always do healing because sometimes it's better for somebody to be sick in order to purify their character. Now, just think about that for a moment, particularly if you're a parent and one of your children got sick. How would you feel? You wouldn't say to them, well, I'm terribly sorry you got measles, and we're not, we're not going to do anything about it because it'll be really good for your character, you know, for you to go through the suffering of measles. You know, just think of it, and even in human terms, part of us just recoils at that, doesn't it? And actually, that's not a right biblical picture of the God we worship. He is a God who heals. He wants us whole, inside and out. He wants us whole. And as long as we're alive in this body, he wants these bodies to work. He doesn't want us to be in pain. So he's a God who heals. Keep going. Oh, here we go. Sickness is our enemy. I say God's nature is that he wants us whole, and sickness is his enemy. You only ever see Jesus 
seeing and tackling sickness as, a, uh, as his enemy, as a bad thing. No, at no point does he affirm it and say, well, it's good for you, uh, it'll be good longer term, it'll be better for your character development or whatever. Far from it. In fact, Isaiah, we're told, by his stripes, this is a prophecy about Jesus in the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus came, but he says, by his stripes were healed. As the Spirit of God inspiring Isaiah to see what actually was going to happen on the cross, that he was going to be whipped, and that Jesus' blood and his suffering and his death on the cross and his resurrection has brought and opened the way to our healing. Healing of our souls and the healing of our bodies as well. We're also, interesting enough, we are commanded in the Gospels to go out and preach, the, the, to tell the world, preach the good news. In Mark 16 it says, and they, the disciples will place their hands on the sick people and they'll get well. That was taken as read. In fact, Jesus' uh, disciples, if you remember, in the three years of his ministry, he had two occasions were recorded well, he sends out the 12 in pairs, and then later he sends out 72 in pairs. And they go out and they prepare the way, and they preach the gospel. and say, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins. And they lay hands on sick people, and they get better, and they cast out demons. And the disciples come back very overexcited, as you imagine they would be, because they've seen this happening. And then Jesus, he slightly uh, corrects their thinking, and he says, well, that's great, but don't get so excited about the healing. Just be excited that... Know that you're my sons and daughters. You're in my hands, you know, that you are, the kingdom of God is advancing and that your names are written in heaven. Even though the healing is fantastic and so needed, uh, that's almost just an attribute of this new kingdom dynamic of the Holy Spirit at work. So it's, it's commanded in scripture as part of what we do as disciples is we pray for those who are sick. Um... I'm going to go on to practice now, a little bit of how to do this, because that's the whole thing. Authority and power, I've done that. Power, there we go. Okay. Okay, now this is, this is I hope that, I don't think this will be a help to you, but this is some of our guidelines we try and use in our filling station meetings over in the UK of, of how to do it, actually hand, hands-on. I say the Holy Spirit does the actual healing. He's the power dynamic. We just have authority to ex start exercising that. The first thing is, is if for you, if you want to pray for somebody who's sick, is just keep, keep short accounts yourself with the Lord. So repent of anything sinful. Just go through in your heart quickly and say, Lord, I'm sorry. If I've done anything really stupid, if I've sinned, if I've lusted, if I've done some, something in my thoughts have been inappropriate, if I've been... Uh, unkind to somebody, if there's anything in me in this last few days that's uh, a blemish, I just want to say I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Please wash me clean spiritually. I want to be a clean vessel. It says in Timothy that clean vessels, holy vessels, us, will be used for higher things. He says, sanctify yourself in that regard. And just keep short accounts. Remember, this is our loving Heavenly Father who always forgives. He's always merciful. But it's good to keep short accounts with us. It'd stop us from being, as I say, besmirched with sin. In fact, the way Jesus described it was one encounter with St. Peter where he talks about having a wash, having a bath. And he says, my word has washed you clean. 
but uh, you, you, it's like on the road, your feet get dirty from the dust, and so you need to wash your hands and feet each day just to sort of get that day's dust off your feet and off your hands and so on. And he was using it as a metaphor to help them understand that they're forgiven, their souls are assured for heaven. That's not in doubt in any way, but you still pick up and make mistakes and fall short. And it's just good to go through, do the Lord's Prayer and go through and say, I'm so sorry, my, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So isn't the Lord's Prayer is just to keep, keep clean on that, sharp with that. That's the first thing if you want to pray for somebody who's sick. Secondly, ask. Ask. Ask the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit to pray for Jim here. And we want you to heal Jim. So be open and be straight with your father. Just ask him the question or, or request it. Because Jesus says, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. You know, in John. So ask for the healing. And interesting enough, I'm learning as time goes by that actually um, it's not a question of sort of trying to twist God's arm. Oh, Lord, please, oh, please, oh, please, in this area. It's actually much more proclamation because of the authority I have. It's a question of saying, Lord, you said that by your stripes we're healed. Jim here is sick. I, so I'm going to say I'm going to proclaim healing to you in the right way because Jesus has done it. So be healed. Sickness, get out of here. Almost see, see sickness as an entity itself, as almost like an enemy. And so curse it. And so say, sickness, out you go. We're not going to have this here anymore. I've got a friend um, who had MS. And her friends, Christian friends, got around her and prayed for her regularly. And they got to the stage, I joined in one of their prayer meetings, where they were praying for her and they were, were sort of cursing this MS, multiple sclerosis. It's a terrible thing. And they were actually sort of like talking to it almost as if it, had a, it was an entity and cursing it. And she she's got better and better and better over the years. And she's actually extremely, I mean, you wouldn't know. You really would not know now. And that started eight, nine years ago, something like that. Uh, then when you feel praying for somebody, you can't really see those up there very well, can you? No, it's, it's quite small, that text. Let's see if the next one's better. Okay. <laughs> That's just a funny picture. Um, I'll tell you what that is. That's in a city, we were living in a city in the southwest of England called Bath. And uh, that's taken in Bath in what's called the Abbey Square. Now, it's a very old city, and the building behind is a, a 15th century abbey called Bath Abbey, a very faithful Christian place, I might say. But anyway, in the square in front of it, a group of us Christians, uh, every Saturday, would put out a whole bunch of chairs and some flags up saying healing. And uh, people would be wandering by, and it's a tourist city, lots of tourists from elsewhere in the country and abroad would come there, take photographs and things. And they were wandering around, and if they were sick, we'd get to sit on the chairs, and we'd pray for them in Jesus' name, and they'd get healed. And we saw so many healings. And um, there was one, uh, for example, there was one a French, a party of French students came over, because Britain's obviously not too far from France, and they come over for a sort of week uh, with their school, and they must have been about sort of 16, 17-year-olds. And there's about uh, 15 of these kids, 
And uh, they were all a bit mocking. They saw this, they knew what it was, and they go, yeah, yeah, don't be so stupid, you know. This kind of thing, or don't be so stupid, you know, with a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, they said, well, one of the team, very boldly, went up and said, hey, well, God heals. Any of, you, any of you kids sick? Any of you ill? And they also said, oh, yeah, Pierre, Pierre, over here, Pierre. And they, they grabbed Pierre, and he'd, he'd done his leg in, and doing rugby, I think, or something. And he sort of hobbled up, so they got Pierre to hobble up. And of course, all the kids are sort of going, yeah, go on, heal him, yeah, yeah, don't believe it's going to happen. And, but they sat him in the chair, and they started praying for him. And uh, actually, one of the, one of the team was, uh, spoke French very well, and did some of the prayers were in French. And they prayed for Pierre's leg. And, he, and something happened. He started to feel strength in there. And it got healed. So he jumped up, and then he started running about. He started running around this square. It's quite a big square. And going, Zacre bleu, you know. Zutelo, or whatever. I don't know, I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he started running around the square with great excitement. Of course, all his friends are going, oh, Amazing. We didn't expect that. Oh, qu'est-ce que c'est? You know. And so, so, so then they have about half an hour telling them all about Jesus. And they led, led, they led a prayer. I think six of them gave their lives to Jesus. That's what I thought. Just the one healing. It's no good. Praise God. So healing is evangelistic. That's another thing I didn't say it. Healing is evangelistic. Not only is it a good thing when people are sick, they get better because the Spirit of God's at work, but it has an evangelistic edge to it. They're not Christians. They all fall into the kingdom because they say, well, that's amazing. I'm better. Who did that? Jesus. Do you want a relationship with him? Yeah, you know, they do. They become Christians. So the Spirit of God is the one that does the healing. It's one of the things I keep repeating here. All he's looking for is availability in you and I. And all I say is my experience and my journey has been that the more I do it, the more I've learned his ways. And the more I've learned how he's going to react and deal with things. And when I didn't really believe in healing, funnily enough, I didn't see anybody healed. When I started to believe in healing a bit, I saw some people healed. Now I'm totally convinced I see a lot of people healed. I really do. My wife and I, and actually particularly my, my wife, is, this is her, one of her, her growing strengths, actually, is this whole area of, of healing. Nearly every meeting we go to, she's, she's always praying for somebody who's sick and they're getting better. And so we pray for healing. Great stuff. Where are we at? I'm only on page one of my notes. So I've rushed ahead on all sorts of things. Practical tips, that's the thing I want to do. So first of all, keep short accounts ourselves. Ask. Ask the person also how they're feeling. How, what, what, is, what is wrong with you? They can describe, hopefully, their sick ailment, their diagnosis. Um, then you ask permission if you want to touch them. It's just wise to do that. We have a model in our, our church um, of uh, men don't play, pray solo with women and vice versa. Yeah, you have to be in a pair of you together, a man and a woman praying for a woman. Uh, just, just so it doesn't get complicated on the kind of sex front. Uh, it's best always to pray with a friend. If you can, do it in a, in a pair. That's the model Jesus used. He sent them out in pairs, this kind of stuff. So pray with somebody uh, as you're praying for somebody else who's sick. That's good to do. Um, also, when you're praying for them, and we'll do this in a minute, uh, pray with their, your eyes open. Look at what's going on. You know, we're all taught to pray with our eyes shut, you know, concentrate on Jesus, look up there. But actually, when it comes to healing, it's a very good idea to keep your eyes on the person concerned and say, bless John here. 
and come Holy Spirit and heal this malady that he has and just watch and see what the Spirit does. Because they may see a reaction. You may see them relaxing. You may see eyes fluttering on them uh, if their eyes are closed. Um, you, you, you may, they may start to cry. There may be, will be a reaction. In which case, when that happens, then my suggestion is say, well, okay, Father, what's going on? Why, why, why has he reacted like that? What's going on? We're praying for his arm, but he, he seems to be very upset. Now, what's going on? There may be something deeper. And because the Lord may want to do some inner healing, healing of the emotions, healing of the feelings, healing of your soul, as much as the physical healing. Um, and so keep your eyes open when you're praying for people, is my suggestion. Uh, using words of knowledge, like we were talking about this morning, use words of knowledge and words of wisdom. That divine revelation is really helpful. Uh, just to give you an example, uh, we did a conference in Sweden in April, and I had a, a young lady came up to me, and she had um, a rash and real immobility in her right arm. And she said, I can't lift it up here. And there's this, I don't know what this rash is. The doctors, do, they give me some cream, but it doesn't work. I don't know what it is in her right arm. And so it's a funny condition. And so my wife and I started praying for her. And as we were praying, we prayed healing on the arm, and nothing happened, no change. And so then we just went back and we said, okay, Lord, we want to pray some more. And I was saying to the Lord, okay, what's, what's the root here? What's going on? And he said, quick as a flash, I felt the Spirit saying, give me a word of knowledge. And he said, uh, condemning words, condemning words. So I said to her, so has there been anybody recently that has really been harsh with you and said some really condemning words to you and made you feel bad? And she thought for a bit, and she said, no, nah, nah. the only person that ever does that is me. I do that to myself. But there's nobody out there. But that was it. She, she was so critical and so down on herself. And so weirdly, we led her in a prayer of forgiving herself for a whole bunch of things, and she mentioned a whole bunch of things. And that was the key. <clears throat> when she... And she got a bit emotional when she was doing that, uh, that she shouldn't be so down on herself. And we were just reminded there were some scriptures about how Jesus saw her. You know, she was the apple of his eye. I, I'll never leave you. You're my, my beloved. These kind of the phrases, you know. And it really hit home with her. And then we prayed for her arm, for the healing bit, physical healing bit. And sure enough, sort of real flexibility came. The pain went, and she was able to wave it around up here. I mean, the rash didn't go, but she told us a week later in an email that the rash had gone. You know, so the physical thing was linked to something else in her soul, really, the way she was seeing herself. And the Holy Spirit gave us that word of knowledge, which just opened up the whole healing experience for her. So use words of knowledge. That's why this morning's talk on revelation is really important, because if we can start to hear and understand and walk in the spirit like that, it's going to make it a lot easier when it comes to the other aspects of living as a Christian and doing healing. Okay, I'll shut up in a minute and we'll get on with it. Uh, yeah, see what happens, keep watching, and then pray a second time, pray a third time, don't rush away and think, oh, well, I prayed and nothing happened, well, that's the end of that. You know, you don't think that when you're trying to evangelize your friends, I, mean, I prayed for my friend once, they didn't become Christian, I'm not going to pray again, you know, we don't do that, do we? You keep going, you keep praying, and in this prayer realm, 
of healing. Uh, I would say we've seen a majority of healings have been with progressive prayer, repeat prayer. Keep going, keep doing it. Keep going back for the prayer. I'll give you another story. Um, I went, went on a, a weekend, very long time ago, this one, church weekend. We went down to a big house in the country. There's about 40 of us on this thing. And I picked up my job. I had a car. I picked up a young guy. Uh, he was sort of 18-year-old chap, 17, 18-year-old chap called Alex. I picked this guy up, and he was uh, nearly, nearly completely blind. Not completely blind, but nearly there. And he had a white cane, and he had these enormous pebble shell glasses he wore, magnified everything. And he had very tight tunnel vision, he told me. He basically could sort of see through about that much from about a foot away. So he had no peripheral vision, just this little narrow tunnel of light. So he'd have to really look at you, really look over there, sort of thing. And um, he had a Bible, which was in two volumes, with massive print in it. And if he held it up here with his specs on, he could read it, pretty much. Anyway, so we uh, picked this guy, Alex, up on a Friday night. It was a weekend thing. And he got into the car, and he's quite a sort of upbeat, positive chap most of the time, anyhow. But he got in the car, and all the way down, it was a two-hour drive away, all the way down to Hampshire, he was saying, oh, this is going to be such a great weekend. I know it. I know God's going to turn up. This is going to be an amazing weekend. So he's going to do something. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be great. Can't you feel it, Richard? You know he's going to be there. You know, and it went on and on like this. But I thought, so, well, this guy's got lots of faith, you know. He's really up for something exciting this weekend. I wonder what's going to happen. He didn't mention himself. Anyway, we got there on the Saturday evening. We had some teaching. You know, Saturday morning, we had some teaching, and then we prayed for healing. And the spirit, a little group of friends of his, gathered around Alex and started praying for his sight. And the spirit came down, and I was at the other end of the room. It's quite a big room. And all I could hear was there was a sort of a rugby scrum at the back of the building of about sort of eight blokes of his, friends of his, sort of under, over the top of Alex. Alex was underneath these guys, and they were all kind of praying for him. All I could hear was Alex in this very sort of clipped English accent saying, God is good. God is marvelous. So wonderful. Thank you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And this sort of stuff. And, and, you know, something was happening to Alex. And the Lord was healing his eyes. Really was. And he was feeling this heat. People were putting their hands behind his head. And he felt all this heat in his eyes. And um, after about 20 minutes of this, he shook them all off on the rugby scrum. And he, he got a normal Bible, like ours, and without his specs on, he held it up here and he read the text in it. And a great cheer went up in the whole room, you know. And he said he, on that prayer session, he got about 70% of his eyesight back. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? But the good news is his friends in this little group, they were persistent. And they did it again on Sunday. On Sunday morning, they prayed some more. And he reckoned he got about another 10% of vision on that prayer session. And then they kept on praying with him back in London over the next few months, kept praying with him. And it's very interesting because he, he had disabled status. So he would get a grant from the government every year for his disabled status. And he would get, uh, you know, he'd get uh, different facilities and things like with white cane and stuff like that. And he said the hardest thing was going back to the authorities and sort of saying, no, look, I'm healed. I don't need any of that kind of stuff anymore. They just didn't believe him. And so I said, well, you know, you, the doctor said you had this terrible vision. You know, you've got this terrible vision. I said, well, look, I can see, look. You know? But they just didn't believe him. It took forever 
for him to sort of stop cancelling the payments, which I thought was very noble of him to do that, you know. But also, so what I'm saying again, persistence, keep going, don't give up, repeat prayer. It's a good way of going. Okay, you've heard quite enough of me waffling on, I think, this evening. Um, what, what we're going to do, as I say, we're going to have an opportunity just to pray. I'll lead it from the front. And uh, the Spirit of God, he's been here ever since we all walked in the room, which is great. And he, he wants to do some healing. He wishes to do some healing, like that original scripture. The Spirit of God is here amongst us tonight to bring healing. And it may be emotional healing, maybe inner healing as much as physical healing. You know, we want to have all, all sorts of healing that he does. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and we'll see what happens. Uh, there's also the, the thing of words of knowledge. Uh, if you are here this morning, or if you're moving in words of knowledge already, the Spirit will give you some words of knowledge, possibly about people's medical conditions. So, and you may get a sympathy pain, or you may start to think, why am I thinking about bad backs or something? In which case, that may be a word of knowledge God's given you to help somebody else in the room who has that? And I'll ask for those in a minute. We can share those um, because that's an indicator. It's a specific indicator that the Spirit wants to touch that particular thing. Okay, would you like to all stand up first just so we can uh, shake a leg, get the circulation going again, and then I shall lead some prayer. And um, I, I think the guys are in the church uh, who I met last night, all of you good people, you're part of the ministry team tonight, okay? So uh, when we find some, if anybody would like some prayer, I might point some of you guys at them, if that's okay. And just pray in Jesus' name for full healing and ask the Spirit to come. That's the way we do it. So anyway, thank you, Father. We just bless you. We thank you that you are so good. We thank you that you are the God who heals. And Lord, um, it's very normal for us to be sick and ill or have, uh, have damage in some way in our bodies. And also to have uh, need inner healing for emotions and wounds we've picked up along the way. And so we come to you as your children and we say, please, Holy Spirit, come in power and release healing amongst us tonight. We want to see people well. Like that paralytic with his four friends lowering up to your feet, please touch and heal any who are sick tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. I pray release uh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, specifics that we can really focus in on to pray for tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Okay, first one again. I've got a, a sciatic pain in the back of a left leg. Somebody's left leg. You've had it all day, I think. A sciatic pain. That's that funny pain that goes up and down the back of your nerves there. There's somebody, I think, who's got that. Uh, we'd love to pray for you. Um, what else? Um, um, I see, I'm seeing of ears now. Uh, whether it's hearing or physical damage to your ear area on both sides. It's both ear, ears. There's somebody who's got that. It may be physically to do with the ears rather than the hearing. I don't know if that's right. Uh, yeah. So if that's you... Um, does anybody, anybody respond to either of those two? Stick your hand up. Okay, oh, we've got three over there. That's great. Lovely. Okay, four. Yeah, sure. Thank you. That's great. That's good. So we'll, we'll come and pray with you in a sec. Thank you for that. Um, Nick, getting any words? Words of knowledge? Anything specific? Any of the team getting any words of knowledge about healing ailments, injuries, specific things? 
they, um, okay, so throat, somebody's got a throat thing, it's like a, a, like a tonsil-itis tonsil type thing, and it's come and gone quite a bit. You've had it repeatedly, I believe. Um, somebody else has got that, I think. I think Lou wants to heal that one. Um, uh, anyone else got any words? Um, if they're, I'll just come out the microphone and we'll share it. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so the, um, okay, we're going to go into the natural now. So if you know you've got a, a sickness and you'd like prayer, put your hand up and we'll come and pray for you. Okay, that's cool. You don't have to have a word of knowledge to get prayer, okay? It's just it's quite useful having the specifics. That's great. So quite a lot of you. Okay, now all of those who had either word of knowledge or hands in the air who are sick, could you keep, put your hands up now? And then the rest of us, we're going to pray for these guys. So can I ask you just to gather around them as friends? You may not know who they are. Ask their name. Find out who they are. If you can gather around them, particularly, as I say, the team I met last night, if you can get into action. We're all going to do this, actually. Gather around them. And now just pray together in Jesus' name for the ailment. If you're sick, share, if, share as much or as little about your condition as you would like with your friends here. And then they're going to pray out loud. They're going to pray for you. A very simple prayer, which is along the lines of, in Jesus' name, X, headache, whatever it is, in Jesus' name, headache, be gone, be healed. By the stripes, by his stripes, we are healed. Um, so you're going to pray that. And so focus in on those person, people. Find out what the ailment is, as I say. Share as much or as little. You don't have to share much. Just say, I've got this back pain or leg pain or whatever it is. And the rest of them are going to pray for you in that front, on that front. Have you got a word of knowledge? Okay. Great. Mm. Okay, so you want to do that? So go for it, guys. Pray for each other. We can all do this. All authority has been given to Jesus, and he's passing it on to us. And the power of God's here.